Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Talkin' Titans. I'm Gentry Estes, along with... Eric Backrack, Titans beat writer for the Tennessean. I am sports columnist for the Tennessean. Should have probably already mentioned that. But, uh, well, Eric and I are in Cincinnati where things did not go very well Sunday for the Tennessee Titans. A 31-20 to loss to the, to the Bengals in a game that a lot of people saw as kind of a get-right game in a lot of ways coming off the loss to the Steelers. Eric, didn't work out that way. No, it definitely didn't. And I think Gentry, I think get right, you know, exactly was what this was as, as far as just what it looked like heading into it. You know, Joe Burrow had been sacked a league high 28 times through the first seven weeks of the season. You know, the Bengals were missing four of their five starters on the offensive line. This really had all the makings of, um, you know, the Titans finally cashing in on some of the offseason acquisitions, acquisitions they had with Clowney, with Beasley. You figured if, if any game was going to be the game where those guys finally got home to the quarterback, it was going to be this one. And really what this game ended up being was just kind of a microcosm for the season. Sure, but, you know, it, it really spotlighted. You know, I, I don't think their defensive ineptitude was was sort of better spotlighted than, than what it was today. And, you know, I think uh, I think they need to make some changes as far as, you know, what they're doing defensively, whether that's schematically, whether that's, you know, less time for Jonathan Joseph, Vic Beasley. Uh, you know, those are two weak links that are, you know, very much holding this team back as, as far as what we're seeing from a week-to-week basis. Uh, Beasley's two biggest contributions today were the neutral zone infractions that he had on one drive that really, you know, helped the uh, the Bengals uh, on that drive. And and so, you know, it's, it's kind of been the story this whole season. The Titans have been bailed out by the offense by honestly big plays by the defense you know in the turnover column but they didn't get any of that today and um, it showed up in their worst loss of the season yeah I think we saw today what happens when the turnover luck goes away and the offense has a decent day not a great day pretty good day Uh, but you knew coming into this when you saw the goalposts shaking because of the wind and they were were we're shaking like pretty much the whole game because the the wind gusts here were, were absolutely ridiculous in the course of this game. And, and you go into that and you're like, well, they're going to have a hard time throwing. Still got Derrick Henry going. He still got his 100 yards. Which, by the way, first ever time the Titans had lost when he got to 100 yards. But, um, you know, this wasn't the game you wanted to fall behind in, and then they did. And I, it just seemed like such an opportunity missed for the defense to start feeling a lot better about itself. The, the, the Bengals were down almost their entire first string offensive line. And you're going against a team, you know, is going to throw the ball a lot and they don't get a sack. It's, it's unbelievable. It's crazy. Uh, this, you can't, you can't win games that way. No, they didn't have Joe Mixon, the Bengals, you know, their, their, their top running back. It, it really seemed like all the ingredients were there for the Titans to finally, you know, come through with a big day as far as the pass rush goes, but it was exactly the opposite. 
and it's it's been that way the entire season. Uh, you know, Titans only have seven sacks this year, which coming into this week ranked, uh, I think it was tied for second worst. You know, I, I think a lot of it, the conversation to this point has been kind of, it's a complimentary thing between the, the uh, defensive front and the secondary. And, you know, we've, we've spoken a bunch how adding a Dory Jackson back to the mix and, and just sort of bolstering that secondary would in theory help, uh, you know, the pass rush and, and it would sort of all work together, become complimentary. But, you know, I think I would imagine that a Dory Jackson is, is really close to returning. I uh, would be surprised if he's not out there next week against Chicago, but, you know, I, I really, at this point, I'm starting to believe that the issues are, are, are much deeper than than just that. And I certainly don't think, you know, somebody like Adore Jackson is going to fix all of this by himself. I think, like I mentioned before, I think Beasley has not at all lived up to what the Titans thought they were getting when they signed him. And Clowney's been good, but, you know, he's still not getting home. He's still not um, getting sacks, you know, fully wrapping up the quarterback. There was one play that you know, I think was fully emblematic of, of the Titans' struggles as far as the pass rush goes this season. It was in the third quarter. It was four or five opportunities on one single play that the Titans had to potentially bring down Joe Burrow. And, uh, you know, to, to a certain degree, you got to tip your hat for, for Burrow for making an athletic play and being elusive. And at the other, you know, other side of that coin is that the Titans just, for whatever reason, you know, couldn't get Burrow down. They haven't been able to get anyone down this season. You know, so it's it's a big thing. It's it's really, you know, for as as there's other, obviously other issues that are plaguing this team, special teams. You know, we saw some some struggles offensively this year, but or this game. But I think if you know, if you look at this team, the one thing holding them back more than anything else is the pass rush, and obviously the the third down struggles. But I think that that goes hand in hand with the pass rush. It's been a liability for this team for for you know two years since I've been on the beach entry. I you know I I thought they did. I thought John Robinson did a good job of addressing it this offseason, but the moves have just not panned out. You know, and Clowney had that play earlier in the game where he had a an open shot at Burrow and just, right. missed, just spun away from him. They, they they rushed him right at the middle. The, the, the Bengals didn't lay a hand on him. I mean, it was it was as clean as you could want, and it still didn't happen. And and when you see things like that in the play you referenced, you start wondering how much of it's the coaches. Because that 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 Clowney had that play and you know that this season he's he's played okay he's played better than Beasley for sure and, and enough to uh, well enough against the run to to have him out there but Eric he, he's just been a guy right he hasn't you know, been that game record yeah and he was signed to be a lot more than that and he has been a lot more than that and you know I think now the the, the whole idea of getting in shape and getting up to speed, maybe that holds water for a few weeks, but I, I don't think it does anymore. Right. And, and what's bad here is bringing in those guys, you ran off Kamala Correa in the process. I don't know if you, you ran him off, but he knew he wasn't going to play and he wanted to go somewhere where he could. So I, I you know, and Roberson's been missing in, ash, missing in action all season. So there aren't really a lot of other options there. And it's it's There's a not. problem when you're spending as much money as you are on players that aren't panning out. That that's very difficult to win games that way. Yeah, and I guess Gentry and and I, I know the answer to this because you've written a column about it before. But um, the one question that I I know Titans fans are talking about is the question I'll throw at you now. How much do you think of you know the defensive struggles trace back to no defensive coordinator? I, I thought it was a mistake when it happened. 
and and yeah, I did uh, right before. I, I think it's a mistake, and I, I wrote this a while ago, that, that it's a mistake that coaches often make where they try to take on too much, and it, it proves to be too much for them. And I don't know if that's the case for, for Vrabel in this. I mean, he has – at the time, we didn't even know who was going to be calling the plays. I guess Shane Bowen's kind of stepped in there. And, you know, guys like Bill Belichick have done this sort of thing and, and made it work. But the problem, I think, has to do more with the fact that Dean Pease's defense was known to be very intricate and very complex. You're, you've had to now teach, bring in some new guys and teach them and get them up to speed on what Dean Pease would do when you don't have Dean Pease on your staff. That's very difficult to do because you have a lot of guys who are used to the way he did it and what he wanted and kind of could anticipate that. Guys like Kenny Vaccaro and Kevin Byard, who, who haven't forgotten how to play football. Uh, Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans, some of these returning guys are, are, are you know, still key guys in this defense and still good players. But what you've done is you brought in some new, new guys who are, are, didn't work with Dean Pease. So now they've, they've tried to roll over this system, but it's not totally the same. So I think it's left some of the returning guys questioning a little bit what's going on because it's different from last year. And the new guys just having trouble getting up to speed because I think it's hard to learn. Right. So, so I, I don't think it's impossible to make that happen. If you remember last season, Eric Tremaine Brock came in at the very end of the year at a need position at corner. They were all banged up at corner, and he right. played he played serviceable, acceptable football. He was and impactful. Got them, got them yeah. through the playoffs, and and that's a guy who you, you you're bringing in cold to come in at corner. He's on the field on third down, so uh, it can happen. I think it's just a matter of the coordination aspect. You get the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. And yeah, if you're if you want to coordinate what's going on out there, you probably do need a coordinator. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I, I think the fact that you didn't have a traditional off season and everything was virtual and, um, you know, no no mini camp, no OTAs. I think if you were gonna go ahead and do something like this, not not name a traditional replacement for DMPs, I think. You know, this unfortunately for the Titans, timing wise, was just not not the best year for something like that, and I think. You know, I think now, uh, in in many regards, they're they're you know paying for it. Uh, it'll be interesting, Gentry, to see if the Titans are active ahead of the trade deadline, which is Tuesday afternoon. John Robinson has never, or excuse me, he had never made an in in season trade uh, since he took up the the GM position with the Titans in January 2016 until he traded Kamala Correa a few weeks ago, you know, so he's traditionally not very active at the deadline, but maybe he is this year, you know, with the Titans uh, in a different spot than they have been previous years, you know, as it relates to, to their standing in the AFC. So we'll see, could be busy, might not be, but something needs to change for sure. I feel like you got to do something, but at the same time, when you, you spent all this money right. to fix this position already, what can you really do? And, and I don't know if it's pass rush or it's corner. I, I think they could stand to get help at corner. I think getting Adore Jackson back will help. Um, I think there's a, a narrative has been created in all this a little bit that he's kind of the quick fix here. I don't I don't remember Adore Jackson being that good, but but I think they're better with him than without him for sure. He certainly gives them some speed they need on the edge. But I I think I don't know. It's a tough one because you see guys like Kevin Kevin Byard who take a lot of pride in this defense. They've been very good in the past and. I got the sense a little bit from Kevin today. He's throwing up his hands a little bit. Um, and I, I don't know that I've ever – that I saw that from – I certainly didn't see it from him last season. And that that's concerning for a 5-2 and two team. This is a 
Yeah, it's 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 easy, Eric, to not say the sky is falling over a couple of losses when you're still five and two, and that's right. that's true. I mean, this time last year they were barely hanging on, but I think this is a this is a problem that has teeth. This is a problem that could wreck an entire season because because they're not getting any better and they're not really good in anything defensively. Um, yeah, they, that's the issue. What do you what do you what do you do well? They don't do anything well. No, it's 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 true. I mean, um, every time you think they might take a step forward, they don't. I think the one thing that you could sort of hang your hat on prior to this week, last week too, I guess, was just the fact that they were causing turnovers. And, you know, I think that in many regards was kind of masking some of the other defensive deficiencies, or at least it was less of a focus, you know, when you're getting interceptions, when you're tipping balls and, you know, the defense is coming up with clutch plays when you take that out of the equation, all, all that's left is for us to stare at what the defense actually is. And obviously it's not very pretty. And, you know, I think, I think the real, the real urgency here, Gentry, is that the schedule from here gets, gets much, much tougher. You know, the next five weeks, I think it's the bears. You got the Colts twice, the Ravens, the Browns, you know, this, this was the get right game going forward. There's not going to be, you know, a game that we're going to label as such uh, for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah. I think the, um, you know, we would have been talking about this for weeks with the defense had it not been for Goskowski hitting a few field goals, key moments, including a, a whole bunch right. of them in Minnesota. Uh, the, the fact that they got the game to overtime out of nowhere against the Texans. I mean, they, they won so many games they, they could have lost, but they felt there, there was a sense that there was this momentum building toward this becoming, the you know, one of the best teams in the AFC. And the whole time, if you really watched it, you, you were like, well, yeah, but God, their defense and and they just haven't improved it. And and I think today, I, look, the offense you, you can't say they were perfect today, but at the same time, they can't be perfect every week. They they maybe didn't play well enough to win this game, but they moved the ball. They had four hundred something yards offense. Henry got going. If if they have the ball more than what twenty four minutes, maybe you know Henry gets a few more carries, and that's actually more than they had it last week against Pittsburgh. 24 minutes this week and it was 20, 23 last week. Right. The, the, the run numbers for this team, like I, I was kind of surprised when I went back, they ran, they ran for 218 yards on seven and a half yards per carry. That's, I mean, most games, if you tell me that happens, especially if you tell me that Derrick Henry goes for over a hundred yards, they've won every single one of those games in the past. They were literally 16 for 16 in games that Henry ran for over a hundred rushing yards and Tannehill had the one, you know, lapse in judgment in, in the red zone, uh, which was a terrible decision to throw that ball. It was intercepted on the opening drive there. But, you know, I, I agree. It was really the defense that was their undoing today. And like you said, you, you could look, go back through the first three weeks of the season when they sort of survived each of those weeks and uh, in, in, in a bunch of the following weeks where, you know, they were lucky to win in spite of their defense. No doubt. And it's been been that way. I mean, we didn't just learn that today. That's been right. an issue all along, and it hasn't been corrected. And that's, I think, a uh, a really big problem for this team. And uh, as we sit here, I mean, it's easy. A lot of times, it's easy to say, "Here's what they need." I, I don't know if you can look at this and say that. I think it's. It, I think, as you said, I think there's. It's it's deeper issues. You can't. Uh, if it's coaching. It's it's guys not knowing what to do. It's guys not making plays when they are in position to make them. It's all of it. Anyway, uh, on that positive note, that'll do it for this edition of Talking Titans. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. 
please drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Eric Bacharach, I'm Gentry Estes. Thanks for listening. Talking Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talking Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talking Titans is a production of the Tennessean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.